I'm so glad you're with us. And if we're going to have any kind of roll or kind of like lasting pattern, this is the one to have, sunshine. Um, right? We were just talking about it in the just before this started. It makes a difference. It really does. People have a little extra pep in their step, it yeah. seems, on Columbus Avenue here. I agree. Yeah, we're doing something right when this looks like a backdrop or some sort of canned <laughs> photo that you can just place up there. No, that's real and it's live, and we're welcoming you into Eyewitness News mornings at 10. Yeah. So much to get through this morning, including some big news that we've been following. This shocking cancer diagnosis mm. for King Charles. We'll have the latest on the diagnosis, what we know of the prognosis, and we'll have a live report from Maggie Ruley in London coming up. And then overnight, country singer Toby Keith dying yeah. from stomach cancer. At just 62 years old, after being diagnosed back in 2021, this is all reigniting that conversation about cancer. So mm -hmm. we've got Dr. Darian Sutton. He's going to be joining us to help process how all this might affect you. And as we hit the top of the 10 o'clock hour, we have some breaking news to tell you about. This is being called one of the largest probes of public housing in the Justice Department's history. As many as 70 city housing authority employees wow. being arrested as part of this federal investigation. They're expected to appear in federal court in lower Manhattan later today. Now, authorities are going to hold the news conference in about an hour. We mm -hmm. expect to get more details from that briefing, but we'll be following this story all day. So many questions. What are the particular accusations? All of that to sort out updates as we get them all day at ABC 7 in Y. Yeah, we're all over this story Definitely. and you would expect us to be Oof. and you know we are when anything happens oh, yeah. in this area. 70 arrests. Right on top of it. And that's a big story. Um, let's talk a little bit about this forecast because why not enjoy it later on this afternoon? All your plans of the day can happen today. We are going to drag some milder air in. So today, let's say maybe 41 degrees, but over the next couple of days, let's say these numbers are going straight up. So by the time we get to the weekend, we're almost 60 degrees, 34 degrees outside right now. There is a touch of a wind chill and if there's a complaint, it's that. There's a little bit of a northeastern breeze coming in, and it's driving the feel of the temperatures down. Liberty's still around 28 degrees, Poughkeepsie at 31. So if you knock a wind chill off there, then you're down feeling like it's in the low 20s and teens. I get that. But the sunshine sure does help. Want to show you what's going on all the way across the coast because we're going to be talking about this as that heavy rain shifts off the coast of California now, closer to Phoenix, closer to Vegas. Look at those wind streams. That's going to be the big story moving all of that moisture in that direction. But for us today, how about some sunshine? I'd say we deserve it after last week and normal temperatures, 41 degrees expected to be the high today. Um, and we'll just add temperatures and maybe a few clouds as we get toward the weekend. We'll tell all that in a minute. All right. Look forward to it, Sam. Thank right. you. Here's some more news for you this morning. Suspected Gilgo Beach serial killer Rex Hewerman expected a court later on today. This hearing in Riverhead is scheduled for some time this morning. So in the next couple of hours. His estranged wife also expected to be there, and this comes after he was charged in the death of a fourth woman last month. Hewerman has pleaded not guilty to all the charges. New York Mayor Adams is in the state's capital today. He is set to testify about Governor Hochul's 2025 executive budget. Adams is expected to make his case for renewed mayoral control over New York schools, more migrant funding and more affordable housing. After his testimony, he is expected to have several closed door meetings with state lawmakers and Governor Hochul. Now to this urgent manhunt by the NYPD looking for people involved in a huge robbery spree. Yeah, police executing that search warrant at a location that they describe as a suspected safe house. This is a huge story for this area. Eyewitness News reporter Phil Tate has been on it all morning long. He's in the Allerton section of the Bronx with some new developments. And I know there's going to be a lot live happening at noon, but let's catch up with what's going on there now, Phil. What's up? 
Yeah, well, Sam, I'm, the search really continues to find those seven more migrants, all a part of, to believe, a part of a 14-person gang. Well, this is the NYPD. They executed that search warrant for a suspected safe house just across the street, really just trying to find the people who are behind these violent robberies that have happened on our city streets. I want to get straight to some video right now that the NYPD shared with us. This is out of Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn. Take a look at your screen. You can see someone on a moped violently stealing a purse only to get to the person's phone. Now that person's phone was then hacked to drain bank accounts and this robbery pattern has nearly 150 victims. Well, our cameras were rolling as police say those accused in this crime are in the same gang coming here from Venezuela and allegedly they've already cleared hundreds of thousands of dollars from victims bank accounts. While a number of people are in custody, cops are trying to find the alleged ringleader behind the tactful criminal plan, Victor Parra. Well, allegedly phones were taken to his apartment where his quote tech guy hacked stolen phones and even made fraudulent purchases. And for police commissioner Eddie Caban, the department is determined to keep New Yorkers safe. They're essentially ghost criminals. No criminal history, no photos, no cell phone, no social media. Sometimes we're even unclear on a name or a date of birth. This network of thieves predominantly live in the migrant, shel uh, migrant shelter system. They use social media platforms to organize and coordinate their thefts. And if you're wondering where these photos might have been sent to, allegedly they were sent to Colombia where they were wiped. And when that uh, when police officers actually came here uh, to this suspected safe house, they were able to recover 22 phones. That's the latest in Allerton this morning. I'm Phil Tate, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Phil, thanks so much for that. You saw the scooter that was used in one of those crimes, Phil, just reported on. Yeah, yeah. Well, the NYPD and Queens DA seized more than 40 scooters over the week. And they were confiscated from 10 locations across several neighborhoods. Most of the scooters were illegal. Police say there has been an increase in crimes involving scooters, ranging from traffic-related offenses to drive-by shootings. The man charged with stabbing a woman to death in Somerville, New Jersey last week, allegedly had a manifesto in his apartment laying out a step-by-step -step plan to kill her. That's according to new court documents, which also say blood was found in the suspect's apartment. That suspect is David Stroatman. And police say that he knew the victim, Mary Rose Feely. Feely found unresponsive last Tuesday night outside of her home with several wounds. A tenant at a NYCHA housing complex has died due to complications associated with Legionnaire's disease. According to the city's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, the resident contracted the disease and died in July. Residents at the Langston Hughes houses in Brownsville have been advised to not take showers as officials continually test the water. Last week, a second resident at the building tested positive for Legionella. The city has not updated the condition of that tenant. Another big story involving NYCHA. Now, though, how about to a big developing story out of the UK? Likely you've seen this headline. King Charles has, III has been diagnosed with cancer, and it may require the 75-year-old to take a step back from his public-facing duties while he undergoes cancer treatment. A lot of questions here, so it's a good thing we have a friend That's right. in the UK. ABC's yes, Maggie Rooley live in London outside Buckingham Palace. Maggie, great to see you, and so much to answer here and some questions that we have. Uh, first of all, we know King Charles was just in the hospital, so what do we know about this diagnosis that was just revealed? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this diagnosis is really a shock for so many people. I don't know anyone that saw this coming and the entire country is kind of waking up in disbelief today. Uh, right now, this diagnosis, we do not know what type of cancer. We don't know what stage. All we know is that it is not prostate cancer, but the palace has confirmed it was discovered while the king was hospitalized for a routine procedure on an enlarged prostate. Now, they have confirmed he has already started his treatments. They also say the king remains, quote, wholly positive. Now, we have gotten a few more developments today. We do know that uh, the prime minister here in Britain has told the BBC that doctors caught the king's cancer early. We understand his entire uh, family, the entire country here is really trying their best to remain positive. Uh, Maggie, Charlene here, uh, not knowing exactly what that diagnosis is, uh, that treatment plan that he's undergoing. So we don't really know how this is going to impact his responsibilities as a king. So how does that work? Who, who takes on the responsibilities if he can't? Exactly, Shalyn. I think there are still so many questions. What we know now is that the king will be stepping back from many of his royal duties. He will have no uh, public events, but he will continue on as head of state. And this, uh, we believe, includes his weekly audiences with the prime minister. But as we really expect to see Prince William stepping up, taking on a lot of his father's engagements and responsibilities. But, you know, we have to remember that his wife, Kate, yeah, the Princess of yeah. Wales, is also home recovering after major abdominal surgery recently as well. And, you know, we don't expect to see her back at public events until at least after Easter. So mm. guys, just imagine this family, the emotional toll it's taking on them right now. You know, Prince William having to juggle all of these new responsibilities, also caring for his family at home. Uh, we have the queen standing by the king's side. It's just, it is a huge development for the country, but also this family as well. Oh, certainly a complicated situation. Maggie, thank you for, for shedding some light on that. Tough story, but Maggie, it is great to see you. You know we all, yes. we all love seeing you, so thank you for, for filling us in. Absolutely. Thanks, Maggie. Um, coming up, um, and we also want to talk about that sad loss that we mentioned earlier. Country star Toby Keith, who passed away from cancer, stomach cancer to be exact. We are taking a look back at his legacy. You know what? Let's bring on Dr. Darian because he's going okay. to expand this discussion. Yeah. He's a great person to ask about what we need to know about cancers and screenings in light of all this news that we've had this morning. Yeah, that's going to be a good conversation. I think everyone will want to see that. And is this a thing of the past? Guys, are you done with school buses? you got to tell me. I don't know. Is it on its last leg? We're digging into this. Why parents are keeping their kids off the bus. Good conversation. American girls and American guys will always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize. What a voice, right? Sadly, the news of King Charles' diagnosis with cancer, not the only reminder of the dangers of cancer this morning. Country music singer-songwriter Toby Keith passing away overnight at just 62 years old, following a battle with stomach cancer. ABC's Lara Spencer with more about his life. I should have been a cowboy. Toby Keith first shot to fame in 1993 with his debut single, Should Have Been a Cowboy. Wearing my six shoes, riding my pony. The song racing to number one on the country charts. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? The Oklahoma native had 20 singles top the charts, including How You Like Me Now and I Want to Talk About Me. I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, want to talk about number one, oh my, me, my, what a Following the September 11th attacks, Keith released, courtesy of the Red, White and Blue, The Angry American. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list and the Statue of Liberty's 
shaking her fist and the song written in memory of Keith's father who lost his eye during service in the army supported America's invasion of Iraq red solo cup I fill you up let's have a party a decade later let's Keith would become a household name on college campuses with red solo cup but two years ago he was diagnosed with stomach cancer this is a roller coaster and it takes a little while to get your brain wrapped around it, and then um, you get to a point where you just say, hey, this is what I do, and you can't let it define you know, your future. Toby Keith was 62. Wow. You know, you see that story. We have Dr. Sutton here uh, joining us to talk more about Keith's battle with stomach cancer, but you see that story, you see the big announcement yeah, yeah. from the royal family about King Charles, and it makes you think about, you know, when they become public, when they go public with these diagnoses. This happened to him but back in 2021 mm -hmm. when he made it, the announcement. You know, what happens to the public? You know, how is that, how do we react to this kind of information? I think it's always beneficial when celebrities or anyone who has a platform talks about their diagnosis. Anecdotally, in the hospital, when patients come in, one of their questions often around these times is, I'm scared of this, or I have a history, a family history of this, and this moved me to get checked. And I think that that's really important because we've seen metrics historically. We all remember when Katie Couric discussed mm -hmm. her colonoscopy mm -hmm. on air. Mm -hmm. That moved the metric. That moved, we saw that when I was in medical school. We saw that that moved the number of people that were getting checked. Oh, yeah. We, we had, when Robin Roberts, was talking about not only her cancer but her treatment. Yep. Um, we had a lot of people who wanted to donate, you know, and be able to do that. A lot of it. So. it. It makes a difference, yep. and we can see it. We actually see it move the metrics. So I think it's so valuable, so important. But just a reminder to have conversations, get your screening tests done, and then in general, just pay attention to your body. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, stomach cancer fairly rare, right? Yeah. But also survivable. It's relatively rare. It's about 1.5% of all cancers. And so it's it's one of the less commonly occurring cancers. And yes, it is survivable, but catching it early is key. There's unfortunately no screening method for stomach cancer yet approved or deemed to be efficient for the overall public health. But the symptoms can start as chronic indigestion, chronic nausea. Yeah. And then for more um, uh, concerning symptoms that might be a sign of more progressed disease is vomiting associated with eating actual pain or dark bowel movements, which can be a sign of bleeding. So if any of these things are part of your everyday yeah. or, or part of your life, you should definitely be talking to your doctor and asking more questions about it. Even if they don't seem to be thinking it's a problem, you should be regularly talking to them about it. Absolutely. If this is one of your risks, I think for me, when I'm talking to patients and I notice that anxiety that we all hold when we talk right. to physicians, one of my mo most important questions is, what are you most afraid of? And that helps to solve a lot of the questions up front. I think patients should lead in with that, that conversation. It helps to get the answers that they need. Look, it's not a comfortable conversation. Anyone talking about their digestive issues, yeah. talking about things like colorectal yeah. pain or, or cancer or prostate cancer or breast cancer, they're uncomfortable conversations. I'll tell you something else that's making me uncomfortable. The stat that more, most cancers are being diagnosed in people that are over 66 now, mm. 66 to 70. Mm. Is, is that something that you've seen and can we talk a little bit about that? We've seen a steady rate of those diagnosed um, over the age of 65. The more concerning number is actually what we're seeing in younger adults is that we're seeing an increased rate of the diagnosis, for example, of colon cancer in younger 
younger adults. Oh, wow. And we're, we're trying to understand why. You okay. know, there are many reasons that, that have been thought of, one of them being our environment, exposure to environmental toxins, our diet, and also other issues that have been going on with history in terms since the 1990s. So we're still trying to understand why that is. But again, I think it's really important, number one, know your family history, know your symptoms, write them down, come with questions, the same way you would any interview. And, and just wrapping up, I mean, physical is always a good idea. Physical is always physical, screenings. Right? We want to talk about colonoscopies, mammograms. I think this is a great moment. DeMarco Morgan, one of our anchors yeah. for GMA3, mm -hmm. I recently got his colonoscopy. I joined him to that colonoscopy, and we'll see the results of that next week. So I'm very excited because it helps to start conversation, reduce stigma, and get people these screening tests that they need. We have to be able to talk about these things. I know they're uncomfortable, but yeah. you have to be able to have these conversations. You have to. Okay. I, I, you know, I think as a physician, I want to remind patients that that is a moment where we want to talk about those things that are embarrassing, those mm -hmm. things that are uncomfortable. That's their moment to do that. And just, you know that it's gonna stay there and leave it there. Okay, Dr. Darian, thanks Thank for coming in. Of course. Appreciate it. This is a story that really got me because I didn't understand this was happening. Could the age of the orange school bus and kids getting on a school bus, yellow, I guess, in some areas as well, could that be on the way out? Now, according, is that yellow or orange? I see it as kind of both. According to the Federal Highway Administration, for the first time ever, more U.S. kids are being dropped off. It's that drop off that's happening in front of school mm -hmm. or driving themselves to school rather than taking a school bus. The survey showed 53% of U.S students took private vehicles to school in 2022. Meanwhile, just 33% are still taking buses. The rest are opting for bikes, public transportation. In the city, you can take the subway, walk to school. A lot of people walk to school. National numbers you were talking about. Let's hone in now on the tri-state because okay. kids around here seem to still be heading for the school bus. In New York, 71% of kids still hopping on board. Over in Connecticut, 85%, and in New Jersey, just 50% of kids taking the bus. Now let's talk about the why, shall we? The reason uh, behind this shift. Well, according to experts, the pandemic played a big role as parents were much more willing to drive their kids to school just to make sure that their kids got to class. Yeah. The health threat from the pandemic also caused many bus drivers to change their careers. Um, and aside from that, schools have been slashing budgets as well, cutting bus service and changing hours, leaving parents with no choice but to drive their kids. But looking at the statistics outside of, you know, the pandemic, um, I was thinking about safety when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. And there are statistics from um, the um, Transportation Safety Board that um, students are 70 times more likely to reach school safely in school buses versus cars. So to see them kind of, you know, go away, I, you know, I wonder what's going to happen there as, a, as an option. Right. And, and I think for safety to, because we've got two parents, you guys were saying that it may not be the traffic safety that had people most concerned about. Some of it was, of course, after COVID, you wanted to be able to control the destiny, right, of your child. You right. wanted to be able to see them at the drop off. You, you know, you didn't want to put them on something and then have them drive away from home. So maybe that gets better. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, listen, my, so. like we walk to school, you know, our, our kids walk to school uh, now and yeah. You know, in the city, a lot of subway, city buses, so it's a little options. bit of a different situation. Yeah. But I will say there are concerns when we see the stories of is the bus driver paying attention? We have so many great bus drivers out there. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that, first of all, who yeah. really, really care and cherish the students. But you do have those stories where there may be inattention being paid. Mm -hmm. And then what's going on with the bus? You know, what are these kids up to? Particularly in middle school, I think, is where the concern comes from. Mm. We have some friends that have some older kids. They've had some issues. It's tough to make a blanket statement, but it's interesting and to see so the so much play on out. the bus driver because they got to focus on the road. Yeah. yeah. It's impossible. You know, they can't really. Yeah.
and, deal with and, that too. And if you were of a certain age yeah. when your yeah. bus driver was your bus driver for a long time, they become such important people in that's, your lives. That's yeah. the thing. You know? And they yeah. can yeah. really yeah. teach you if, if the school bus is yellow or orange. I don't I don't know. It's it's is it yellow or is it orange? I don't know, if you create a, uh, you know, a synthetic photo of a woman sitting on top of a pyramid looking at a desert sunset, it'll look very realistic. And we will put in the bottom left-hand corner a little watermark which says that it has been produced by AI so that you know it's not a normal photograph. Mm. So that right there is what it will look like. The president of Global Affairs at Meta speaking exclusively on Good Morning America about how the app plans to address rising concerns about AI content on the web. All right, I so, it. I mean, that's clear. I mean, you know, I'm, that, that's not my profile pic, uh, a llama in a red jacket, right? Um, but now these protections will not yet extend to audio or video that is artificially mm. generated. Yeah. So they're saying that they're working toward that. This is a huge step because we've talked about the concerns here on this show um, with the safety on dating apps, but also with AI images yes. that are out um, there on social media. And the media. thing is, people are using them. They're posting yeah. them so very often, and there's no disclaimer. People have no idea idea of what they're seeing is real or not. So I think that's great. Uh, another company addressing concerns yep. about online behavior, Tinder. But this one does not have anything to do with AI. Instead, they're focused on making sure uh, users are more respectful. How about that? Tinder will now alert users if a message they send violates one of three categories. Authenticity, respectfulness, and inclusiveness. The Tinder team will send the user a message pointing out the bad behavior and then give them a chance to correct their actions. Mm. That warning cannot be deleted from the user's inbox. And if they become a repeat offender, their profile could be removed from Tinder. I have no idea what's going on on Tinder. Yeah. I feel very uh, fortunate I don't have to be on those apps, but apparently whatever's been going on has prompted this. Yeah. Remember that you are a Yikes. guest on that app, right? And and that you don't have a right to say something that isn't mm -hmm. true to do that. So they have the right to police that. I'm just glad they kind of are. 